Let's review the good, bad, and ugly of NXT TakeOver in your house 2021 here on the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, five matches on this card. Starting it off with the six-man tag, winner take all, Brunson Reed and MSK versus Legato Del Fantasma. If Legato Del Fantasma win, they win the North American Championship. They win the tag team titles. I thought this was a good opening match. Um, I, I thought the chemistry between MSK and Legato Del Fantasma is very, very good. I love the story of um, Santos Escobar trying to, I guess, kind of hide away from Bronson Reed, tagging himself mm-hmm. out until, you know, the opportunity rose. So that was a good move there. And the finish was amazing. Bronson Reed running through Santos Escobar, through the barricade, then you had Wesley, or was it Wesley or Nash Carter? I can't remember, but I think it was Wesley stomping on Joaquin Wild and then leading to the tsunami on Raul Mendoza for the win. Thought this was a great opening match. Only thing I have to say, Ralph, is the crowd was not really into this match until Santos Escobar basically got killed by Bronson Reed. Yeah, I think the crowd was probably the biggest issue of the night, or, or at least one of the things that kind of stuck out to me. Granted, it was a smaller crowd, but at the same time, it didn't necessarily seem like they were into a whole lot until the main event of the, of the night. Um, I, I, I can't really think of why that might be. I think a part of it has to do with the fact that maybe just people aren't paying as much attention to NXT as they maybe were maybe um, in the past. And, you know, maybe they weren't necessarily as bought in to, uh, you know, the guys or girls that were wrestling until the main event. Um, I think that when you look at previous takeovers, uh, maybe when you go back to like Gargano and Champa when they had their main feud, mm-hmm. NXT didn't necessarily always promote a feud. Like they didn't always have matches and angles on a weekly basis going back when NXT was just on the network. Um, I think they're started, they've been trying to do that, especially when they were going head to head with, uh, dynamite and it, it made it seem more like they were trying to focus more on a particular angle or match that was coming up. Right. And I think, you know, maybe people not necessarily paying as much, much attention to the programming on a weekly basis means, you know, when they go and see these matches, at least if they're live, they're maybe not as bought in. Um, so the crowd factor, that was kind of a big negative for me the entire night. Um, as for this match itself, I think it was definitely the right match to open with because with MSK and Legato Del Fantasma, you obviously are going to get a lot of high-flying, fast-paced uh, stuff that you would hope right. that the fans can get into. Bronson mm-hmm. Reed, for a big guy, um, I would not want to be one of those guys that has to ever take that splash off the top rope. That move is nasty. Yes, it is. Um, but he is very good, and he's very very agile for a guy that size. So. Um, I thought this was a really good opening match. I like the back and forth, like you talked about with Escobar. I thought that him trying to avoid Bronson until the end there was also a good, um, good, good little wrinkle into the match. And the Michinoku driver on Bronson Reed was insane. So yeah, it was. Um, I thought it was a good match, though. Yeah, I, I thought it was a good match too. And Joaquin Wild Raul Mendoza have great chemistry with MSK. I don't know if this is the last of. We see with MSK and Legado Del Fantasma until both of them make the main roster. But if they end up having one more match or a couple more matches on NXT, I could watch them all day because they have great matches together. They but do. yeah, but let's move on to the next match here. It is Zia Lee versus Mercedes Martinez. Uh, four years in the making after Mercedes Martinez embarrassed Zia Lee on the May Young Classic. However, Zia Lee does avenge this loss 
uh, to Mercedes Martinez last night at NXT TakeOver. I thought this was an interesting match. I think Xia Lee during this match looked good. But afterwards, not a fan of what they did where uh, Xia Lee calls for the chair from Boa, but then Mercedes Martinez kicks uh, Xia Lee's leg, beats Xia Lee with the chair a little bit before uh, Mei Ying comes and chokes out Mercedes Martinez, throws her off the, the ramp. I I don't think that really helped Xia Lee, nor did that help Mercedes Martinez in this outcome. So I don't know if it's really a waste of time that they had this match, but they could have, like, Xia Lee looked good during the match, and Mercedes Martinez looked good during the match. Afterwards, I don't think either of them looked good. Uh, and, you know, I think the main thing that kind of turned me off for this, the match itself was, you know, it was okay. I mean, it was nothing to write home about. It wasn't going to be a five-star classic. It's probably not going to be something that people are talking about as being, like, one of the better matches of the night. It was, it was essentially mm-hmm. like a filler match. Right. Didn't do a whole lot for me. Um, the post-match antics, you know, that's, that's kind of all of the things that I don't enjoy about just wrestling in general. You know, mm-hmm. the, the mythical, like the lights going out and somebody who has these kind of superpowers. This is why I choose not to watch Monday Night Raw pretty much on a weekly basis. Uh, I, I sit through it when I can. But, uh, you know, the stuff with like Alexa Bliss and and uh, obviously with Shayna this past week that people were critical of mm-hmm. this type of hocus pocus, hocus pocus type stuff, if you will, is really what kind of turns me off of watching wrestling because it's really hard to suspend your disbelief here. But um, that being said, I, I mean, the match was OK. Um, post-match stuff didn't do it for me, but it is what it is. You're not going to not going to knock it out of the park with every single segment unless it's a really good pay-per-view. Do you think this storyline is continuing or there's been rumors of Mercedes Martinez going up to the main roster to be the heavy of um, Eva, uh, Eva Marie? So do you think that could have been a way to write off Mercedes Martinez? Yeah, I mean, look, they're, they're pushing Raquel Gonzalez. She's going to be the main, the main woman there. And she's pretty much being billed as and pushed as like this big, strong, dominant female. Mm-hmm. Um can they do that with Martinez too? Yeah, but at the same time, how do you build her up and then have these two cross paths? And I think they've already had a match and, yes. and Raquel already beat her. So, yes. um, yeah, no, I, I could see her going up to the main roster. She's probably better suited for that anyway. Right, right. I agree. Now let's go on to what I thought was the match of the night. And that is the ladder match for the Million Dollar Championship. Uh, LA Knight against Cameron Grimes. I wasn't sure how the crowd would react to this one because the crowd really wasn't into it so far heading into this match, but also both act like heels and I wasn't sure who was going to be the baby face, who was going to be the heel. There's a lot of people that love both of them for their, for their promos, but it seemed pretty obvious that Cameron Grimes was the baby face and LA Knight was the heel and they played into it. LA Knight was acting like a heel playing into the crowd. And I love that. I really did. I love Cameron Grimes really like working the match, like a baby face and having the comebacks. And the one thing I really liked about this match ladder matches, especially now in today's wrestling world are very spot heavy. Like how can we get the ladder to start doing all these flips and flops and Canadian destroyers through one ladder off another ladder. These guys really we're slow, maybe at sometimes maybe too slow, but it kind of built to the high spots that happen at the end where Cameron Grimes does the splash off the scaffold or gets pushed off the mm-hmm. ladder through another ladder. 
And they really played that off. And I thought that was a really great approach to the ladder match, considering both these guys aren't really your your typical ladder match guys. Yeah, and when you when you consider one of the bigger bumps of the night, I think it was LA Knight getting back body dropped onto one of the ladders. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, li- like you said, yes, there was the scaffolding spot, but it wasn't like these guys were going nuts and doing all these crazy flips and taking all these amazing uh, risks, which if that's what, you, what you're into and you're, you prefer a fast-paced match, then that's fine. Um, but when you pick and choose your spots, that really helps kind of uh, make those spots stand out. And what what they did, especially with somebody like LA Knight, you know, I, I was a little nervous going into this match because I didn't know how he was going to really perform in a match like this. Yeah. Because it's not really something that you did. You When you, when you think ladder match, you know, automatically you're going to think of certain guys. Certain guys will come to mind. LA Knight is not one of those guys that I would put at the top of the list merely because he's yeah. mostly about his persona, his character, um, he works slower styled matches, not that he can't work faster styled matches, but he, he's more like a traditional approach to a match type guy. Um, backtracking a little bit, I thought that the opening video package was a really good uh, video package to kind of set the table for this yeah, match going into it. It was they talked about the prestige of the title. They talked about Ted DiBiase and kind of how that that title came to fruition. Um, and they they both kind of led in with both the promos that the guys cut leading into the match. So. Uh, I, I thought the right guy won. I think the biggest issue with Cameron Grimes is he's kind of billed and booked as more or less like a, co- a comedic wrestler, but, but that's he doesn't, fine. That's it's fine. fine, but that's also not hit. First of all, it's not somebody that I, I don't, unless they're going to treat the title as like a joke. Um, I, I didn't see him actually winning the match because the, just because of how they, how they led into the match with the video package. They talked about, how this is a prestigious title and it's mm-hmm. one of a kind and all these things. And I think yeah. that fits more to um, the character that LA Knight is kind of portraying, not so much who L- uh, Cameron Grimes is, is kind of portraying Cameron Grimes. His biggest issue is they're pushing him as this comedic guy, but his in ring, perf- the way that he wrestles in ring is like he performs at a high level. So it's kind of difficult, but kind of like orange Cassidy. <laughs> yeah, I guess to a certain extent. Sure. Um, I, I don't know what's next for Cameron Grimes. I, I think he could have a spot on the main roster if they choose to call him up. I think that he'd be, you know, easily one of the the guys that can handle the comedy routine or I, I, I don't know. I just don't know if they'll ever be able to book him and get people to buy into him as like a legitimate threat to like a, a, a right. actual legitimate title. Right. Um, but the match itself was very good. And I think that LA Knight, this is, they don't have to have him chase the, the NXT championship or the North American championship, he can carry this and his persona fits well with it. So he can continue to be the cocky, arrogant guy that he has been. Right. I agree. And as far as Cameron Grimes is concerned, I think, you know, he can be a great fit, especially on raw where they definitely need something there on Monday night. Yeah. Raw, especially yep. that mid card division, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to go for the uh, United States championship. He doesn't have to necessarily go for, the WWE championship, obviously, but Cameron Grimes, like you bring up, he's a a comedic talent, but he can also go in the ring and, you know, it could be that, that role that Santino Morella had for years. And look how over he was in, uh, 2011, 2012. I mean, hell people actually thought he was going to win the Royal rumble and, and myself included. So maybe Cameron Grimes can be that guy where, you know, maybe he, becomes the last man eliminated in the 2022 Royal Rumble and people get behind him. But 
I think his time in NXT, there's really not much for him to do. So he could be on Monday Night Raw tonight, for all we know, because they could definitely use some new new blood there and shake things up on Monday Night Raw. But uh, let's move on to the women's championship match, Ralph. Raquel Gonzalez does retain that championship against Ember Moon. I thought this was a good match, a great dynamic between the two. Obviously, Raquel showing her dominance early on, but then Ember Moon getting the comebacks here. Um, Dakota Kai playing a role, which I thought was very well, where you thought Ember Moon could have submitted Raquel, but she pushes the ring, uh, excuse me, pushes the rope uh, to Raquel for the break. Then when you hit the eclipse, Raquel puts her foot on the rope, or thanks to Dakota Kai. Then Shotzi Blackheart comes out. They scuffle for a little bit before they get spilled to the outside. I thought this was a very good match. And obviously, besides the ladder match and the Fatal Five-Way, probably another one that people will talk about as a possible match of the night contender. Yeah, you know, I I thought this match was also good. Um, This is kind of one of those ones that surprised... Well, I shouldn't say it surprised me. I should say that I went into this match with not really a whole lot of investment. They were Mm -hmm. able to uh, capture or kind of... build my intrigue as the match kind of progressed. I thought that some of the spots were really well done. I thought that they worked hard. Um, Raquel, I think that the way that they kind of booked this, you know, with Raquel being this dominant figure, especially at the beginning of the match and Ember still getting in a good amount of offense. It made sense to me because Ember Moon is the one that has much more experience than Raquel Gonzalez. Right. Uh, She's accomplished quite a bit. She's been to the main roster. She came back to NXT so, you know, I know that I, I was going through Twitter as this match was kind of going on and they were saying people were commenting, oh, well, you know, she she's Ember Moon's getting in too much offense. I don't agree with that because Ember Moon is, like I said, she has all this experience. She's been a former champion. She's been she's been to the main roster. So mm-hmm. people should expect her to get some type of legitimate offense in. Um, Raquel Gonzalez continues to improve in the ring, I think. I think that she's really starting to. Um, get the psychological aspect of it. So I thought this was a good match. Um, and like I said, credit to those two, because going into this, I really wasn't all that invested into it, but right. they were able to put on a really good match. And uh, yeah, I thought it was fine. Now, I believe Wade Barrett mentioned in commentary that Raquel Gonzalez is probably the most improved wrestler in the last 12 months. Would you agree with that statement? Um... She's pretty Maybe. close. Either her or Britt Baker. And all of wrestling, Britt Baker has done quite a bit, and I talked about that on our last review. Um, in NXT, I would say that's probably true. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think there's a reason why she's the NXT Women's Champion because of how well she's improved from the moment she came out and take over Portland to uh, last night on TakeOver In Your House. She still has good matches. She plays her character well. She understands it. And it's basically... What we saw, you know, bring back the in-your-house era of the mid-90s. Dakota Kai is really Shawn Michaels and Raquel Gonzalez is Big Daddy Cool Diesel. You know, I'd like to see Dakota Kai actually have some matches now, but I don't know if that's because she's injured or what. That why She's not having the matches, but they're playing that character very well, and we'll see where it goes. Shotzi and Dakota, it seems like that's where the, ne- the next part of this feud is going. Maybe Shotzi takes the title off of Raquel, but... We'll see how it goes. I'm interested to see how that storyline progresses. But, Ralph, let's head to the main event. It is the five-way for the NXT Championship. Karrion Cross against Kyle O'Reilly, Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, and Pete Dunne. And before the match even starts, 
I see the problem NXT's having right now. Just by looking in the ring, this is the problem NXT's having. Karrion Cross is what, six, six plus, six feet plus? I think maybe just at six feet, 265 pounds. The next mm-hmm. biggest guy in the ring is a cruiserweight. That's the problem NXT has. Well, who would you say the next biggest guy was? Would you say Kyle O'Reilly? I think Kylo, I think by weight, both Adam Cole and Pete Dunn weighed in at 205 pounds. Yeah. That's by, a problem. Yeah. And just comparing, you know, the difference in size to guys of the past when you were trying to have like a, like, look, okay, Karen Cross is a big guy, but it's not like he's the size of like Braun Strowman. And it's not no. like he's the size of a Brock Lesnar. And if he were to go back to the past, like a big dominant guy in the ring where you're essentially kind of setting the, the stage for the big guy versus the smaller, like Shawn Michaels, like you mentioned earlier, the bigger guys were like Sid, Diesel, um, Vader, Undertaker, Kane, guys like that. And Karrion Cross, in comparison to those guys is not, you know, he's, he, he, he's not in that, that category. So, Maybe yeah, it was I, an I, optical illusion. Maybe it was an optical illusion, but it looked like Karrion Cross put on some muscle since he's first come to NXT. No, he certainly, I mean, even when you go back and compare him, you know, just his size and stature to when he was in uh, TNA and Impact and all of that. So um, I, here's what I would say. I think that one, I, I definitely agree. I think that the size of some of the guys just for the believability factor. Look, I, I, I love Adam Cole. I'm a huge fan. But just him face-to-face with Karrion Cross for somebody who's not a wrestling fan, for somebody who doesn't watch NXT on a weekly basis or know the accomplishments of Adam Cole, just visually, to get somebody to watch that and say that they believe that Adam Cole is going to beat this guy, I think is a big ask. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they could have benefited from having one other guy that was maybe a little closer to his size in this match whether you want to say Bronson Reed was in this match or, you know, I, I don't even know, maybe Dexter Loomis, somebody who, you know, when the smaller guys were working their spots and, and cross lays them out at some point, he comes face to face with somebody who's a little more um, equal in size and stature than right. I think that they could have bet it. Now I don't think it hurt the match, but visually as a, as somebody who who's not watching wrestling on a, on a consistent basis, I think that's a little bit of a problem for them because at some point somebody's going to have to take the title off of him. And when I look at the guys in NXT, I mean, who? Uh, Out of the night, I, I, I think, I think, based on what we saw last night and kind of what we're seeing the last few weeks, I think they're going to push Pete Dunne to do it. And honestly, out of those five in the, or excuse me, four in the ring outside of Karrion Cross, he actually looks the most legit to do it especially with this whole style with the joint manipulation and stuff like that. Yeah. Maybe it could be Kyle O'Reilly with the Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and he showed a little bit of that in this match. But, I, I mean, it can't be a guy like Johnny Gargano because he could, you know, Cross should throw him around like he did in this match. And Adam Cole, like, they say he's 205 pounds, but I would, like, that's got to be an exaggeration. That's got to be rounding up. It looks like he's lost weight and has no muscle whatsoever. Who's this, like, Adam Cole? Adam Cole, yeah. Like, it looks like Adam Cole has absolutely no muscle mass. And he had it. I don't know where the hell it went. It, it's disappeared. 
Like Britt Baker looks a lot more muscular and she's not even like a muscular person than Adam Cole does. Like, is she working out? Is she taking all the gym time at home and Adam Cole just can't get any gym time in? What's going on? Yeah. And you know, I look, size is not something that is the end all be all in pro wrestling. No, but even by, even by comparison to back in the day, Shawn Michaels was considered a smaller guy and he really helped set the standard for what smaller guys could accomplish. Um, I, I just watched dark side of the ring. I finally got a chance to watch it last night. Dynamite kid is same mm-hmm. thing. He was a sm- by standards. He was a smaller guy in comparison to those around him. And those guys, those guys dwarf Adam Cole. Um, well, Dynamite Kid and, had steroids, and he, if Shawn well, Michaels yeah, may have no, too, but no. But the point I'm trying to make here is this: like, as wrestling fans, we're willing to accept those types of things visually. We're, we're willing to look at Adam Cole and Karrion Cross and say, okay, well, all right, look, Karrion Cross dwarfs him by like 50, 60 pounds, but at the same time, it's not going to take away from the quality of this match. We're willing to look past that, but. There are people who will look at that the same way they look at AEW and they'll say, you know what, I, I just can't buy into these guys because they either used to watch back in the Attitude Era or before that and say, you know, they'll, they'll automatically revert back to, okay, well, Hulk Hogan, Undertaker, um, you know, Steve Austin, Brock Lesnar, and they're going to see guys like this that are of smaller stature and they're automatically going to say, I can't watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's just... The, the realism of the situation. People will not watch if they look at that and see, okay, well, these are smaller guys. It's not something I'm used to. I'm not going to watch it. As wrestling fans, people who already bought in will look past that. Um, but yeah, Tommaso Ciampa, if you, like I tell you all the time, he's certainly trying to do as much as he can to kind of bulk up, whether that's because he's trying to make a move to uh, the main roster or because he's trying to put that weight on because eventually he wants to be somebody who can realistically take the title off cross. I'm not sure, but... right. Yeah, Adam Cole, um, all the talent in the world, but if he does intend, if they do intend to call him up, he's going to, I'd imagine they're going to want him to gain some type of muscle mass. Right. Because even like if you look at pictures back in the day when he was in Ring of Honor, he like, it looked like he had 20, 30 pounds of muscle where now he's like, like, I feel like I'm bigger than him in stature and I haven't lifted a dumbbell in three years. <laughs> so I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but either way, like, you, you brought it up. I don't think it really hindered the match. I actually thought it kind of helped the match in a sense because, you know, they use that psychology of, look, Karrion Cross has got 60 pounds on all of us. So we need to attack his legs. We need to double team him, even if it means joining forces with enemies. Like you saw with Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole power bombing uh, Cross uh, onto the table. You saw Gargano and Pete Dunne throw him through the door in the in your house uh, entrance ramp. So they definitely did that. And I thought that helped. I would say, I think cross could have been shown a little bit more dominant than he was. I think he might've sold a little too much in this match. Like I know people were saying with Ember moon, getting too much offense in on Raquel in the previous match. I think maybe these guys were getting a little too much offense in on cross at some points. Yeah. And I I think, there were definitely a couple of spots where they almost made it like he was either going to get pinned or tapped out. And I could, I could have done without that, you know, because that kind of essentially means that had this not been a five way carrying cross would have lost the title at some point to somebody. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. I think that he definitely had moments where he looked dominant and cleared out the ring and just took everybody out, which is great. 
Um, but I don't think they should have had situations where if it had not been more than just uh, one-on-one, he would have lost. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I could have done without that. Right, right. And I think like Kyle O'Reilly doing the, the, like the trip to the leg and doing that, that was fine. But there were some other points where it just felt like that, that can't work. That, that shouldn't be working. Like Cross should be just throwing them all around like he was at some points. But yep. Cross does retain. But before we head to the end of the night, Ralph, we see William Regal walking out of the Capitol Wrestling Center, getting interviewed about his thoughts of NXT. And he says something interesting. You know, he's been GM for seven years. He hasn't seen this much bedlam in that time. You know, things are chaotic and it's time for a change. Now, to preface this, there's been a report from Dave Meltzer, according to our community page, the go-to journalist in wrestling media, that Samoa Joe has accepted a position in NXT, a non-wrestling position. So is this change Regal out, Samoa Joe in, or is he like an assistant GM or something? Where do you think this is going? Well, initially when I heard Regal say this, I was like, okay, well, unfortunately, I think he's going to follow the same suit as many of the other people who have been let go. They're just kind of foreshadowing it, unlike the, the uh, you know, abrupt kind of like with one by all of the other guys, you know? So, mm-hmm. I, but, you know, I, I think that if, it, if, they do, if they did truly sign Samojo back to NXT, I think that this would probably be... Um, a pretty good situation for him because one, one of his strengths is, you know, talking, he, he's very good on the mic. So if he can't actually return to, to in ring competition, at least not for right now, then I think that this would be a good spot for him. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I think maybe this is on screen, like a general manager or assistant general manager yep. role, but also he could be coming in as a trainer. And obviously he's a great wrestler, uh, knows, knows the ins and outs and, you know, has a great, you know, psychology for, for wrestling and doesn't necessarily do the flippy floppy stuff and could kind of teach these guys that do like the high risk stuff. Cause he does occasionally, you know, he'll do a tope suicide or whatever, you know, when to do it. But also he is a great talker and could teach these guys, not just the in-ring stuff, but they need someone to teach them the, the promo aspect. And you would think with triple H and Shawn Michaels there, these guys would get that aspect, but some of these guys just don't. And I don't know why that is, but maybe Samoa Joe could be the answer for that. And I hope that's, you know, if it is Samoa Joe, good for him. You know, it seemed like, you know, with some of these contracts that got let go, it was just, they were getting paid more than what they were offering. And Samoa Joe getting paid main roster talent money to be a commentator obviously wasn't it, but you know, Triple H sees value in him in NXT and, he might not get the same money, but at least he's getting paid and probably more than he ever would anywhere else, even as a trainer. Yeah, no, I mean, it's going to be interesting one to see if this actually this, this rumor that's been reported, if it's, if it's true. Um, and if it is true, what is his role going to be? And what does this mean for William Regal going forward? Right. I agree. So let us know what you guys think was the match of the night. For NXT TakeOver In Your House 2021. Also, do you think Samoa Joe is heading to NXT to be assisted GM, uh, taking over for Regal? Let us know what you guys think in the comments below. Don't forget to share us all over social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SCPB Podcast. Subscribe, hit that bell for notifications, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psycho